And would you turn with me once again to the book of Proverbs? Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs 9. Once again, we hear the Lord calling to us to hear and to heed His wisdom. Proverbs 9, beginning in verse 1, going through verse 12. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maidens. She calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat of my food. Drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself, and he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you alone will bear it. We hear again God in Proverbs calling out and offering abundant feast, wine, delight, and pleasure in His wisdom. And as you're taking your seats, if you would open again to Proverbs, we'll begin today in Proverbs 17 and verse 17. As you may have guessed from our complimentary reading earlier in the story of David and Jonathan, today in Proverbs we'll be looking at the theme of friendship. Friendship. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. When I think of this verse and I think of maybe one of my best experiences of friendship, other than my biological brother who's kind of stuck with me, I see the face of Gavin Johnson. <clears throat> Gavin is a six foot four, white South African, sandy blonde hair, blue eyes, dark tan. He's somewhat of a celebrity in South Africa. He was the kicker for their national rugby team that won the 1995 World Cup. And after that, he went on to play professional rugby in England, and then he used his income to buy a fishing camp on the Zambezi River in Zambia. And after he had done that, the Lord saved him, and he is one of the most zealous, joyful Christians I've ever known. And we, when we met him, it was one of those rare experiences where there's just an instant bond. His camp was just a few miles up the road from where we were building our camp. And so he invited, out of mercy, these crazy Americans to set up a temporary camp on a site he no longer used while we built our bush camp. And at first it felt like we brought really nothing to the relationship. Here's this expert on African bush survival, and he has set himself on helping us just out of pure Christian love and kindness. 
Now, as our friendship grew, we learned later that they were going through a very dark season. They were lonely. And our Christian companionship was quite precious to their family as well. One of my favorite memories of Gavin, my family and my brother's family, we had crossed the border into Namibia for supplies. And it was one of those days where Africa was just kicking our tail. Everything was hard. Nothing was working out. We were exhausted. We were frustrated. Our last stop was the grocery store. We were going to get some food to take back to camp. And as we got out of our our cruisers, there's Gavin. Didn't even know he was in town that day. And he's in the back of his truck loading supplies, singing loudly like a crazy man. And he shouts at us, Hey, guys, are we winning today? I wanted to choke him, (laughs) and I wanted to hug him. And maybe as we go through Proverbs today, that's a pretty good description, I think, of real friendship. Sometimes you want to choke him, and sometimes you want to hug him, and sometimes both at the same time. Well, we had a lot of grumpy days in Africa, and we would come dragging in from building our bush camp, and Gavin would take one look at my face, my brother's face, and he would say, "Uh uh-oh. Why so grumpy today? And then he would listen to us, and then he would gently correct our grumbling with a big smile and some verse he had read that morning in his devotions, and then maybe some story of God's faithfulness, a miraculous provision in an impossible situation. And the openness went both ways. I remember one day we saw him that afternoon, and he in a rare moment, confessed to us, I was so mad at God this morning, I didn't even read my Bible. And I kicked a tree. (laughs) And then it was our turn to listen graciously and to remind Him of truth. We spent a lot of late nights around the campfire, and we always were encouraged to love and trust God more. Gavin was an Arminian Assembly of God Pentecostal. We had some theological arguments that would last for hours. And the next day, you would never know we had disagreed. He loved Christ passionately. He loved the tribe that we had come to share the gospel with. And he would do absolutely anything he could to help us. And I'm pretty certain we would not have survived that season in Zambia without the Johnson family. True friendship is beautiful. And one of the reasons true friendship is beautiful is because it's so rare. And one of the reasons it's so rare is because it's so much work. We saw last week our natural tendency to spiritual laziness. There are few things more demanding and rewarding than a deep Christian friendship. I remember my pastor's son telling me that he wanted to write a book on the subject of friendship because he felt like it was a lost art in the modern American church. So today we're going to look at what Proverbs has to say about friendship. Now one of the great challenges in this series in Proverbs is how do you take 20 individual verses that stand alone on a topic and combine them into a cohesive cohesive flow of thought? So I went to Luke for help. 
By the way, if you were helped by the structure of the outline last week, those main points, God, work in God's design, work corrupted by sin, work redeemed by Christ, those main points were Luke's idea. So giving credit where it's due. We collaborated on the outline again this week, and here's what we hammered out, for better or worse. Point number one, you need friends, dot, 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 in moderation. You need friends in moderation. So we're going to look at the two excesses Proverbs tells us to avoid, being a loner and being a popularity seeker. And then secondly, we're going to look at the friend you and I need to be and not be. (laughs) We're going to look at the qualities of a good friend and then the opposite of that, how to ruin a good friendship. And then point number three, the friend you need most. And we'll close once again by looking at Christ. So, point number one, you need friends in moderation. Proverbs 18, verse 1. Don't be a loner. Don't be a loner. Proverbs 18, 1. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. God doesn't see loners as strong or noble, but foolish. And God puts His finger on the root of the problem. They don't really want godly wisdom. They don't really want anybody questioning them or interfering with their own desires. Now, we loners have lots of excuses, though. Well, Sean, you don't know how badly I've been hurt. It's hard to trust again. Or, or we live in a mobile culture, right? Very few of us grow up and remain in the same community for decades. We don't have those same long-term friendships our parents and grandparents had. And it's easy to say, you know, I tried to make friends in the last place. I never really connected with anybody. It's just too much work to try it again. Sometimes it's just plain pride. We see ourselves as more noble, more wise than others. We we don't really see what others have to offer. And then some of us have something to hide. And we don't want to let others close enough to see it. And then, of course, there's technology and the illusion of meaningful relationships. Your Facebook profile might say you have hundreds of friends. Really? Really? They only see the you that you want to project. And they don't know the real you well enough, or they don't know the real circumstances well enough to give you real counsel and correction. So they're at a nice, safe, electronic distance. Well, despite our excuses, Proverbs says we need at least a friend, if not a few friends. By the way, the ultimate model of manhood ever valued friendship. Jesus said in Luke 12, 14, I say to you, my friends, do not fear those who can kill the body. John 15, 15, no longer do I call you slaves, but I have called you friends. Two verses before that, he explained that his greatest expression of love would be to die for his friends. And then he called his disciples to be willing to do the same. 
After the news of his cousin John's death and then back to back the news of Herod looking for him, he withdrew with his friends to be alone. And as he went to the garden to consecrate himself for the great work of atonement, he wanted his friends close. Jesus was and is a friend. And he valued friendship during his time among us. So certainly that gives great dignity to friendship, doesn't it? So both Proverbs and the example of Jesus caution us against being a loner. But Proverbs also warns, don't be Mr. or Miss Popular. Here again in, Rome, uh, in Proverbs 18, look at verse 24. It's interesting, the first verse says, don't be a loner. The last verse says, careful of too many friends. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The Hebrew literally, a man of many friends tends to get himself broken. A man of many friends tends to get himself broken. This is the people pleaser. This is the one who values popularity above all else. Their success is measured by the number of friends. Friends. And how do they get themselves broken? Well, a couple of ways, and, and the first one is suggested by the second phrase, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So the first way the people pleaser gets broken is the pain of abandonment. The pain of abandonment. We're going to see in Proverbs that it has a lot to say about fickle, fair-weather friends. Truly loyal friends are rare, and those relationships are not easily built. So if you have a large number of shallow acquaintances, it's going to hurt when hard times come and they all disappear. A second way they can get themselves broken is compromised character. Proverbs 13, verse 20 Proverbs 13, 20, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. We live in a fallen world. There's not a whole lot of folks that want to be friends with a godly person. So if you're super popular, there's good reason to question if your lifestyle is holy enough to be offensive. And there's good reason to question who's influencing who. And what are you perhaps compromising in order to be liked? As we'll see a bit later, Jesus is the one friend who is closer than a brother. And we need to guard that relationship at all costs. And that means sometimes we have to avoid relationships that would shame Him or break fellowship with Him or hinder our service to Him. It doesn't mean we're never friends with unbelievers as long as there's no compromise in that relationship. Speaking of that, going back to 18, verse 24. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. For those of you from non-Christian homes, you know some of the reality of that verse, don't you? You know, the reality of Christian friendships that are far deeper, far sweeter, sometimes even than family ties. 
Vaughn Roberts, in his book, True Friendship, has some helpful advice applying verses 1 and verses 24. Number one, be discerning. Be discerning. Choose those you're going to pursue in friendship carefully, and then be deliberate. Be discerning, be deliberate. Strive for depth rather than width. A deep friendship over many shallow ones. Better one friend or a few friends than a bunch of shallow relationships. So obviously one good friend is worth more than 20 bad friends, right? But one good friend is also worth more than 20 superficial acquaintances. And sometimes one good friend is worth more even than family. So you need friends in moderation. Second point, the friend you need to be and not be. Now, I've specifically worded it that way, the friend you need to be, because as we look at this topic, the temptation is to think, oh, yeah, I want friends. Okay, so this is the kind of friend I want to look for. It's not a wrong application. It's not a bad takeaway, but I've got a better takeaway. No, this is the kind of friend you need to be striving to be, and I need to be striving to be. Now, I don't know about you, but there is so much room for growth in my life in this. As we look at these positive qualities to pursue in friendship and the negative qualities to avoid, I want to mention up front in the Hebrew, the word for friend and neighbor is the same word. So that's helpful as we hear some of these verses talk about your neighbor. Same word for friend. And that makes sense, right? In the village society of ancient Israel, where else are you going to get your friends? Neighbors. Now, there are times when a stronger word is used, the word literally, one who loves. And in fact, we just saw that in 1824. There is one who loves, who sticks closer than a brother. So, the friend you and I need to be, the first quality we want to look at in Proverbs is loyalty. Loyalty. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? Do you want to be a good friend? Be loyal. Be dependable. Talk is cheap. Excuses come easy for bailing on a relationship that gets tough. But listen to Proverbs 17, verse 17 again. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. There are going to be storms, many storms on this journey to heaven. How sweet it would be for someone to find that you are that friend made just for that moment. You are that friend they needed in that storm. And Proverbs is realistic. We often won't find out who those real friends are until the storm hits and the friendship is tested. So you want to be a good friend? Be loyal. Do you want to ruin a friendship? Then start a relationship for selfish motives and be spineless when the trials come. Proverbs 19 
verse 4. Wealth adds many friends, but a poor man is separated from his friend. Verse 6, many will seek the favor of a generous man, and every man is a friend to him who gives gifts. Verse 7, all the brothers of a poor man hate him. How much more do his friends abandon him? If you started a friendship for what you could get, it's easy to walk away when there's nothing more to gain. Don't be that. Here's the test. Will you stay in a friendship when it's going to cost you? And I'm not just talking about money or even primarily about money. When your friend is struggling so much for so long and they are a constant drain on your emotions and your time, when your friend is exposed in a scandalous sin and your reputation is at risk if you stand by their side and help, Now, of course, discernment is needed here, but your own wellness can be an easy excuse for walking away from a difficult relationship. Proverbs 25, 19 warns us. 25, 19, like a bad tooth and an unsteady foot, is confidence in a faithless man in time of trouble. What a true image, right? When do you discover a bad tooth? Or or when do you discover a weak ankle? When pressure's applied, right? You bite down on that food and all of a sudden, oh! Or you, you take a step on that weak ankle. That's a disloyal friend. They give way. They fall when pressure is applied. They fail. Don't be that friend. And we saw earlier the great positive example of loyalty in Jonathan and David. Jonathan risked the wrath of his own father, had to dodge a spear <laughs> to help the man who would sit on the throne that was supposed to be his. So here's a good question to ponder. Have you shown yourself to be someone others can count on when tragedy strikes or hardship drags on? Do they see you taking unpopular stands or caving to the crowd? Do they see you keeping your commitments? If tragedy struck one of our church members tomorrow and they're looking for someone to lean on, would you come to mind? Helpful to ponder. There's another way to ruin friendship and disloyalty, and that's with gossip, with our tongue. Proverbs 20, verse 19. Proverbs 20:19 He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets therefore do not associate with a gossip <laughs> Solomon's logic is airtight here It is the nature of a slanderer to reveal secrets so don't associate with a gossip What's the logic If your friend gossips 
Guess whose secrets are about to be the next revealed? If they whisper to you about others, don't be shocked when they whisper about you to others. This is a word of caution. When when friendship is in the early stages, be careful about sharing too much too quickly. Let trust build. And as that trust builds, whatever you do, guard carefully what your friend says to you shares with you because such betrayal is not easily repaired and may never be. Proverbs 16, verse 28. 16:28. a perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. By the way, this is the strongest Hebrew word for friend here. That's why New American Standard says intimate friends. And it's interesting, in Proverbs, that word is only used in verses talking about the worst kind of betrayal, reminding us that close friends have the ability to hurt each other in a way that no one else can. Be careful. Be loyal. Secondly, Our second quality, be a wise counselor to your friend. Proverbs 27, verse 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. A man's counsel is sweet to his friend. Do you want to be a good friend? Have wisdom to offer them. And where is wisdom found? Right? The good counsel of the Lord found in the Scriptures. And what is the goal of wisdom? We read it earlier in Proverbs 9. To know God and to walk in submission to Him. So do you want to be a good friend? Here's the good news. You don't have to have a counseling degree. You don't have to be the expert counselor with a clear solution for every problem. Just know the Scriptures well. And be faithful reminding your friend of truth and encouraging them to submit to that. And then just walk together in a journey of knowing God better. Again, we have a wonderful example of this in Jonathan and David. Let me go quickly to 1 Samuel 23. Another little glimpse of their friendship. 1 Samuel 23, verse 15. Now David became aware that Saul had come out to seek his life while David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David at Horish and encouraged him in God. Thus he said to him, Do not be afraid, because the hand of Saul my father will not find you, and you will be king over Israel, and I will be next to you, and Saul my father knows that also. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed at Horish while Jonathan went to his house. Okay, we pick up the story. David's fleeing in the wilderness from Saul. He gets news that the Philistines have attacked the village of Keilah. 
And he faces a dilemma. Does he go and fight the Philistines and rescue that village and expose his position? And he does. He goes and rescues the village and gives away his location. And the people of Keilah express their gratitude by making a plan to hand him over to Saul. (laughs) Thanks very much, David. So he moves and he hides near the village of Ziph. And once again, the people of Ziph make a deal with Saul to capture David. Now, if you're David, are you getting pretty discouraged at this point? Are you questioning God's promises about kingship? Jonathan knew his friend's need and he did something. He arose and he went to David and he encouraged him. And I love this word. Literally, he strengthened his hands in God. David needed his hands strengthened. David's hands are weak and tired from running and from fighting. His hands are probably shaking in fear a little bit. He doesn't know who's going to betray him next. And Jonathan reminds his friend of God's promises. He pledges his friendship anew, and David is strengthened. Now in Proverbs, the counsel of a wise friend is not always sweet encouragement. Sometimes it's sharp correction. Proverbs 27, 17. Our next quality of friendship, be a helpful critic. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As one commentator put it, sometimes a friend's counsel is cheering. That's the last one we looked at. Sometimes it's clashing. Sometimes it's fellowship. Sometimes it's friction. And according to Proverbs, friction, clashes, occasional disagreements are actually signs of a healthy friendship. Not if it's constant, of course, but there should be some sparks. Okay, if, if your friendship is constant peace and tranquility, there's a good chance you're flatterers, not friends. Do you want to be a good friend? Be honest with your friend. Again, here in chapter 27, back up to verses 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Okay, what's better in this proverb? Open rebuke. What's worse? Concealed love. In other words, a love that should speak truth, but suppresses it. What is faithful? And that word means what's reliable, what's trustworthy. The wounds, the bruises of a friend. And by the way, here's that stronger word again, one who loves. So let's put it all together. Truth that hurts, even truth that bruises, from one who loves us can be trusted. It's for our good. Now, you might prefer kisses or hugs or handshakes, whatever your culture But if the intent or the result is your harm, that person's actually your enemy. One pastor made such a helpful distinction from this verse. 
There's a big difference between hurting someone and harming them. And we lose that in our soft emotional culture. It's a big difference between hurting someone and harming them. Just because someone speaks truth to you that hurts doesn't mean they've harmed you. In fact, the greater harm might be if they kept silent. Along the same lines, that same pastor pointed out, there's a big difference between feeling loved and being loved. We like to feel loved. Sometimes we need a friend who loves us painfully. True friends will question one another. They will challenge one another. We all have blind spots, right? We don't need a condescending critic, but we need respectful confrontation. And not only do we all have sinful blind spots, we all have personality quirks. Yes, you have one too, just like I do. We have these weird family traits, and we think they're normal. And we need a friend who loves us enough to say, that's not normal. (laughs) That's not okay to act like that. And that's one of the main reasons we don't pursue this kind of real friendship, because we don't want that level of honesty. We also don't want to give that level of honesty. We would rather flatter. Proverbs 29, verse 5. Proverbs 29.5, a man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his steps. You know what? We flatter ourselves enough. (laughs) I flatter myself constantly. I think I'm a pretty good person most days, and so do you. Not you think I'm good, but you think you are a pretty good person. Last thing we need is more flattery. I need somebody to counteract that and tell me the truth. Flattery isn't true friendship. It's self-love. It's self-preservation. I am not going to tell you the truth you need to hear because I'm afraid how you might respond to me. And when we do that, Proverbs says, we're leading our friend into a trap. Someone willing to risk your anger or being willing to risk our friend's anger, that is a true friend. My kids used to watch this singing competition show. I don't remember which one it was. It was way before The Voice. And the funniest part of that show was the audition phase. Okay, After that, I lost interest when you really got down to the good singers. But in the audition phase, you had some of those auditions that were so cringy, right? I mean, this poor kid couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. And they're absolutely convinced they're the next John Legend or Adele. And they get up there, and you're watching this, and you're like, really? Nobody loved this person enough to tell them, dude, you can't sing. (laughs) And they just let them get up there and make a fool of themselves? And then, you know, there's some judges that are so nice and polite. And then they finally get to Simon Cowell, and he's like, that was horrible. That is the worst thing I've ever heard. 
and the person on stage melts in tears. They're trying to hold it together. And then the camera follows them out to the lobby where all their family comforts them. Oh, don't listen to him. He's just mean. You can really sing. You'll do it. Obviously, we should never be rude. We should never be unnecessarily offensive like Simon. But we're setting people up for embarrassment at best and spiritual disaster at worst if we're not honest with them. Are our friendships really so fragile that they can't bear the stress of confrontation? If you want to find out, sooner or later somebody needs to test that friendship and speak some painful truth and see what happens. Of course, Proverbs is realistic. Proverbs 28, verse 23, He who rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. Notice the word afterward. They may not appreciate it in the moment, but if you're a true friend, they will appreciate you later for what you've said. Now, next week, oh, I hate that we can't do it this week, but you all would hate me. Next week, we're going to deal with the correlating quality to this helpful criticism, and that is be a humble friend, okay? If you're going to speak truth, if you're going to be honest with one another, there's going to need, some, need to be some humility. So next week, we're going to look at pride and anger and fragile victimhood in Proverbs versus the ability to receive criticism and to forgive wrongs. But for now, let me just ask, is anyone correcting you? In your relationships, in your friendships, is anyone correcting you? If not... Have you surrounded yourself with flatterers? Or are you so obnoxious when corrected that your friends don't dare do it? (laughs) Ask yourself this question. Would my friends rather poke themselves in the eye with a sharp stick than correct me? We'll come back to that next week, all right? So, Proverbs calls us to be loyal friends, to have wisdom to offer our friend, to be a helpful critic, not a harmful flatterer. We'll talk about being a humble friend next week. And then the last quality of a good friendship we want to look at is sensitivity. Sensitivity. Here again, we see the perfect balance of Proverbs. Sometimes the sparks have to fly, but we also need appropriate sensitivity in our friendships. So, the last quality Be sensitive. Proverbs 27, verse 14. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be reckoned a curse to him. All my morning loving friends heed this verse. As a non morning person, this is hands down my favorite proverb, okay? But but really, think about this. This is wisdom from God, right? God's law says, love your neighbor. And then God comes to us in Proverbs and says, you know what? Here's one way you can love your neighbor. Don't be obnoxiously cheerful before coffee. God cares about these little things. 
Now, on a more serious note of sensitivity, Proverbs 25, verse 20. Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar on soda, is he who sings songs to a troubled heart. (laughs) Like someone who comes up and rips the coat off of somebody else on a cold winter day, is someone who sings songs to a hurting heart. Now, we did talk earlier, right, about encouraging our hurting friend, our struggling friend, with God's truth. But please show the appropriate sensitivity. Don't be overly cheerful, overly positive. Scripture also calls us to weep with those who weep. Be sensitive. And then back up three verses to another good reminder. Proverbs 25, verse 17. Don't smother your friend with your neediness. Proverbs 25, 17. Let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house, or he will become weary of you and hate you. I like how one pastor put it, speaking on this verse. He said, in heaven, everyone will love you. No one will get tired of you. We're not in heaven yet. Let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house. Remember that word neighbor and friend are the same in Hebrew. Scarcity adds value. Right? Increase the value of your visits by keeping them appropriately timed. Make sure your friend wants to see you more and not less. Now, I know there are some personalities that I don't understand... And some comfort levels in friendship where they just want to be together all the time. It never exhausts them. Great! But is it safe to say that's not most of us? So don't be constantly barging into your friend's life with your neediness, demanding their time and energy and attention. Keep the expectations appropriate to the level of friendship. Nurture the relationship. Don't smother it, okay? Be sensitive. But here's the good news. There is a friend we can never ask too much of. There is a friend who desires constant closeness with us. There is a friend whose only desire is to generally, generously satisfy our deepest needs. So let's look at our last point, the friend you and I need most. The friend you and I need most. Think of some of these qualities we just looked at, right? No one ever offered more wise counsel than Jesus. In fact, he said in John 6, 63, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. I mean, his counsel literally gives eternal life. No friend is a more helpful critic than Jesus. Just read the letters to the seven churches in Revelation, right? Again and again to each church, Jesus says, I know this about you. I know this about you. 
and He praises them where they're faithful, and He puts His finger right where repentance is needed. And we have felt Him do the same in our lives, haven't we? And yet, there is not a more sensitive friend than Jesus. A bruised reed He will not break. A smoldering wick He will not snuff out. He puts the wandering sheep on His shoulders and carries Him home. Jesus treats all of His struggling friends with perfectly appropriate gentleness. He's certainly the most humble friend you'll ever have. (laughs) Think about how many doubts, how many false accusations, how many offenses He tolerates from us. But most precious of all, the loyalty of His love to us. Remember in Proverbs 20, verse 6, many a man proclaims his own loyalty. Simon Peter did that, didn't he? Lord, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. (laughs) And within a few hours, he had broken that boastful promise. But Jesus is the true friend who loves at all times, even times of cowardly disloyalty. And Jesus remained loyal to Peter and lovingly restored him. Nothing, nothing can surpass Jesus' loyalty in laying down His life for those He had chosen to be His friends. He took all our sins against His Lordship and His law, and He carried them to the cross, and He suffered the wrath we deserved from Him. And the entire reason for our ruined relationship with God was removed, and now the relationship could be restored. God befriended us again. And the Apostle Paul rejoices in Romans 8, there is no power in the universe, there is no failure in us, there is nothing in time or eternity that can ever separate us from Christ's loyal love. Hallelujah. So let me close by asking, do you know His friendship? I'm not asking, do you know facts about Jesus and His saving work? Are you personally experiencing friendship with God? Have you responded in love and gratitude to Jesus' initiating love? Are you turning from the sins that insult and defy and grieve Him? Are you resting the full weight of your hope of eternal life on Him? And are you growing in familiarity and fellowship with your friend? If not, I beg you, run to Christ today. And if you're not sure how to do that, come find me after the meeting or talk to somebody near you in a row. Enter a friendship with Jesus now before you face Him as judge on the final day. And if you are walking in fellowship with Christ, as His image bearer, how are you doing being a friend to others? 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Christ never calls us to something without giving us the ability to do it. So let's grow in our own character as friends and let's be brave. Let's take some risks to nurture real friendships. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, my mind is blown, my my heart is broken over the reality that you would befriend fallen rebels and the links you would go to to make that happen. Oh God, we praise you, we thank you for the beauty of your generous and loyal friendship. We thank you for Christ our Savior, a friend who will always be closer than a brother and who actually is our brother as he brought us into your family. God, help us to enjoy friendship with you, to pursue that precious gift at all costs. And then help us, Father, to reflect Your glorious image in weakness and frailty and feebleness as we fumble about, but genuinely try to love others and be a real friend. God, would You bless this church family with the depth of friendships that we've talked about today for Your glory and for our great good. And again, Father, if there's someone here who is still fleeing from You, who still fears You, who does not yet know You as a friend, God, would You, in stern love and kindness, pursue them and draw them to Yourself. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.